Wow. Hey, it's so good to be here. We had a wonderful beach service uh, down at the beach, and, um, and I'm glad to be back here. I was here like two years ago with uh, some of our students, and many of you hosted our students, Stan, and they still speak of that. That was a big impact, so thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for those who have been hosting our students back then and giving me an insight uh, into your life and into the church as well here. And um, so it's a blessing to be here in Southern California. It's always a joy to meet James, to meet, uh, to meet some of you, and um, it's an inspiration for me to be in California. As you said, I'm in Switzerland and um, attending a pastor's conference uh, over at the East Coast, and it's, it was worth for me to make that detour to, uh, to California and to spend some time here. So we're in the middle, or we just started that series. You started that series last week, uh, Belonging, Abiding with Christ, and that's such a key, uh, a key thing in following Jesus because along the way, we somehow, we somehow miss to stay with Jesus. And I think you have such a great name as a church, the River Church. Uh, when I first heard that name, I asked, where is the river? Where is the river? <laughs> but, uh, uh, so, well, you have the ocean, but where is the river? The river? But I think this is, uh, it's a spiritual picture of the river. And where the river is, there is life. So if we stick to the river, we will have life, uh, life overflowing. But if we leave the river, we'll end up in the desert. And so uh, uh, keep that in mind. Stick spiritually to that river uh, of belonging to Christ. And then from there, there's everything flowing out of that. Uh, last week, you know, we're looking, we're looking at the conversation Jesus had with his disciples. It was the last conversation before he was arrested and finally crucified. And so we're looking at that conversation, and you looked... Uh, at the example of Jesus last week as he was washing the disciples' feet as their leader. And today we're going to pick up from there. And he gave, he gave them a new commandment. And I call it the 11th commandment. We know the 10th commandments, but now he gives them a new commandment. And we read that in, uh, in John 13, verse 30. Verse 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What I think is it's, it's interesting in this, Jesus has been speaking on love quite often. You know, on one, on one occasion, he mentioned that we should love our enemies which is difficult. Love your enemies. On another occasion, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. But now he says, he talks about a different kind of love. He says, love your neighbor as I have loved you. That's something completely different. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. Not just your own love, but he's speaking about a divine love. And he showed his love for three years as he was serving uh, his disciples, as he was ministering all across the place. Uh, he showed his love. He lived out his love. 
And the great thing is here in this scripture it says, if we love, if we love as he loved, something happens. Something happens. Because in that love of Jesus there is power, there is breakthrough, there is revival in that love. If we love the way he loved us, everyone will know, everyone will know and experience that love that comes from Christ. So not just our own love, but the love of Christ. And this is, imagine, this is the end of his public ministry. He was three years an example, and now he's kind of, he's kind of passing that on to his disciples and gave him that command. If, we, if you love, if you serve the people with that love that I gave you, you can only love if you're connected with me if you're intimate with me, if you're steeped with that love of God. But then something's going to happen. You will experience healing and, and revival and change in people's lives. And if we, go through, if we go through Acts, we see what happens when those Christians, those first Christians were passionate about, passionate about what's going on and signs and miracles and revival all over the places. This is what happens when people are filled with that love, steeped with that love of Christ. And too often, we leave that river of living waters. You know, back home in Switzerland, as you mentioned, it's a different society, uh, like 2 or 3% Christians. It's a very secularized society. And some years ago, we just felt the calling to start a new training place to train and to raise up a new generation of leaders who are Christ-following, passionate about ministry, and filled with the faith to change something, to change society. How do we do that? Especially in a secularized place. You know, what, what we figured out, although society may become secularized, and I'm, I believe the same thing happens as well in America. Is it a problem for God to work in a secularized society? Is it a problem for him if there is only 2% Christians? When Jesus came, they were non-Christian at all. He took the disciples, they were not Christian at all, but he just showed them the way. When we see the disciples going out of Jerusalem, uh, into the Mediterranean. They were non-Christian at all. For God, it's not a problem at all if there is only one, if you're the only one in your family, if you're the only one in your neighborhood. It's not a problem for him because it's his power, not our power. It's his love, not our love. So we gathered, we gathered young people and we started that school from scratch just with that passion to reach out to train them, to give them sound theology, to give, them, to, sh to give them a model in leadership, and then show them how to do it, how to reach out. And what we do as part of the school, one hour, only one hour each week, we go literally out on the streets of Zurich, talking to people one-to-one, -one, sharing the gospel, asking, asking them questions about faith, Interestingly, in a secularized society, 
People are open to talk, more open than we think, much more open. We have conversation uh, uh, with people who, are, who don't believe in God. But, you, but we speak with them for half an hour on the street, although nobody has time. Maybe it's different in America, but in, in Europe, nobody has time. But I tell them, oh, okay, only three minutes, only three minutes. And then, then it turns out half an hour. And we have conversation, and at the end, we can pray. We can pray so often for people. People are so often to prayer. People are maybe not open to church, especially in Europe, because many people have bad experience with the church. And there is nothing worse than boring churches. <laughs> boring churches. It's a sin. Boring churches. People have bad experiences with boring churches. But still, there is a longing to belong. There is a longing to the Creator. So we could have this very honest conversation and pray. And so often, as we've been praying with people, with strangers, complete strangers on the street, tears running down their face. Because the power of God you know, the love of Christ touches people's lives. It goes right in here. So never underestimate what God can do even through you, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, wherever you are. This is what we experience. Miracles on the street right there. And the passion, and this is what we experience with our students as, the, as we walk them through their studies. A passion that grows to reach out. A faith the gross and to expect greater things that we have seen in the past. And to expect, why not again a time of revival as we had times of revival in the past? Why not experience it during a time in our life? And not only hear stories from the other side of the world, but to hear stories from where we live in our Western society. And we believe that it's going to be possible but the big question, the question is, is there a fire burning in our lives? Is there something burning in our lives? Or am I just attending? You know, one student, we have a student from Iran. He flew. He was a refugee, came into Switzerland. And um, he was a Muslim. But then he found Jesus in Switzerland. And he ended up coming to our school as a student. And just some weeks ago, I had a very serious conversation with him. He told me, you know, they refused my asylum. So I have to go back to Iran as a Christian. And then, and that hit me. He said, I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to share the good news. I want to share the gospel. I want to share what I have found here. Wow. He could have, he could fight with the court, with churches, to remain in Switzerland. But he says, no, I want to go back to where it's dangerous because there is a passion. There is a fire burning in me. I can't, I can't stay here, you know? Is there a fire burning in our lives? You know, Jesus, interestingly, when he, when he had this last conversation with the disciples, he was, he was in great fear. He was terrified he, because he knew what's going to come. It wasn't easy for him. 
He was in the middle of a storm. But instead of self-pity, he could have said, please help me. I served you for so long. Please, now I need you. Help me. Help me, disciples. Wash my feet. Comfort me. No. He comforted them. Because he was prepared. Why, why was Jesus acting like this? Why could, Jesus, why could he act like this? And <clears throat> it's important to understand if we look at the context of that situation. Because then in, um, in, the, in, in the first verse of that chapter, it says, uh, chapter 13, it says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come to leave this world. He knew that the hour had come when they will crucify him. He was prepared. And although he didn't run away. Why? Because he knew who he is. He knew where he came from and he knew where he's going to go. And he knew that all power is given to him. Every moment during that process, he could have stopped it immediately. Even hanging on the cross, he could have stopped it immediately because all power was given to him. He wasn't, he wasn't wrong time in the wrong place. They didn't actually arrest him. He was the lion, the king of kings, the lord of lords. Every all power in heaven and earth was given to him. The lion giving himself as a lamb. That's him. That's him. That's him today. Chapter 10 in John. Chapter 10. Jesus says, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. I have decided, not them. I give my life freely. When they wanted to arrest him, he said, Here I am. Whom are you looking for? Take me. I give my life. That's him. He was prepared. He was prepared to give his life and to take it again afterwards. That's the Jesus we are following. You know, many or several years ago, God opened the door for us in Albania. Eastern Europe, a country for over 40 years completely closed, similar to North Korea today. People were living in fear, in poverty. Uh, people were in prison for decades because they believed in God. The country opened up in 91. 91, not a single Christian there. And God opened a door for us. People started following Jesus. And we met a leader there. And together with him, we could help him start a school in Albania in the midst of that country to train leaders. I was there just recently again. And what I saw was a room, about 70 students. My leader told me, you know, up to now, over 40 new churches have been started all across the country. They have nothing. But they just start. They just start with nothing and spread the gospel. Most of those students 
or first generation Christian. It reminds me to the time of Acts. First generation, everything is fresh. Everything is new. Everything is vibrant there in Albania. And the leader, the main leader, interestingly, he's a former Muslim that found Jesus. And I'm so amazed, I'm so encouraged every time I'm there because I see, wow, what we read here, what happens 2,000 years ago, same thing happens today. Same God, same power, same deliverance, same thing we can experience. If people are there and say, here I am, please, Lord, use me with everything I have, with everything I'm not have, with all my burden, with all my sin, with all my failures, but use me. Because God is looking for ordinary people who are ready to give everything. And God can use them. God's love changes, even today. Another place you also mentioned is the Middle East. Middle East is all over the news all the time. A place you don't go, actually. But God opened a door in the Middle East, in Jordan. We helped a local leader to start a school there in the middle of, of, of wars, of difficulties. Um, uh, shortly after we started the school, the war in Syria broke out. And the country was flooded by refugees. So he started to turn the whole program of the school, of the church, um, uh, open up the church for refugees. Refugees came, literally stayed on the streets. They had nothing. They fled just with the, with the clothes on. Terrible, terrible, terrible situation. We were there just last, we were there last year. We'll be back in June to help what's going on there. Thousands, thousands of refugees, many of them Muslim. Our leader told me this is the first time in history that Muslim would come by themselves to the church to seek for help. He said every day, every day, Muslim come to the church, knock at the door, please help us, please help us, please pray for us. We experience it with our own eyes. When we were there, the church was packed with Syrian ladies, many of them fully covered, sitting there. They lost, many of them lost their husbands, their children in the war. My wife could speak to them, sharing a story from the gospel. At the end, she asked to pray for them. Many of them stood up to receive prayer. Later on, we heard two stories that two ladies got healed from cancer that in, that in that meeting. Afterwards, we gave them food. We, we, met, we visited them in their homes. Uh, many tears, many difficulties. But Jesus, in the midst of that situation, is working miraculously. Although it's dangerous. We met a lady, an older lady. She came as a strong Muslim. She had to flee, but it was a strong Muslim. And then she went. They helped her. They gave her food. They gave her shelter. And she said, why do you help me? You are Christians. I'm Muslim. Why do you help me? They said, well, we help everybody. No, but you're ha you hate us. You're evil people. But you're not evil. They always told us, you're evil people. And God started to work in her life. He even told 
the, the leader even told the lady, that's okay if you're Muslim, we're Christian, but you're welcome to come. We help everybody. God started to work in her life. She had an appearance of Jesus in the middle of the night. Jesus saying, you're with the Christian now. Why, do you, why don't you believe what they tell you? She was shocked. And now, after some years, she's a passionate follower of Jesus. It's dangerous for her because of the family, the relatives. But she says, I have found. I have found my Savior. How great is that? How great is that to experience? It's dangerous. I might go over here a bit because it's dangerous, though, for Christians in the Middle East. And many leave for the West. Many leave for a safe place. Our leader there, he's a passionate, powerful pastor. He was here in the US. He got a job offer here in an Arabic-speaking church. He said, well, why don't you come here? We give you a good salary. We give you a house. You're safe here. Everything would be good. It was a big temptation for him. But then he said, no, I got to go back. This is the time. This is the time I have to be. Jesus didn't call us for safety, for a safe place, but for a powerful place. So he went back and said, I have to be here. It's no, it's, it's no other time than this. I was touched. And then we prayed. We had prayer meetings every morning in Jordan. And I tell you, if you think you have had a power, you've experienced a powerful prayer meetings, go to Jordan. I mean, we pray, we pray often with our students because we know the emphasis, the energy that comes out of prayer meetings together. We have hours of prayer meetings in Switzerland, in Zurich. Uh, uh, we have, on a regular basis, we pray half a day with the students because it's so important to stay in the prayer, to stick in the prayer, and to have exciting prayer meetings. Boring prayer meetings is also a sin. <laughs> Boring prayer meetings. So we thought, we have exciting prayer meetings, but then coming to, coming to the Middle East, in Jordan, I mean, this, these people know how to pray. I mean, when they start to pray, the walls are shaking, and they're, I mean, with this Arabic language, with this voice, whew, you should experience that. You can either be hot or cold in such a situation, in such difficulties all around. You have to be hot. And then as we have been praying one morning, it knocked at the door. We opened the door, and two ladies stood outside, fully covered, refugees. And they, had, and they said, we heard you pray. Can you please pray for us? Wow. I've never experienced such a thing. People are so hungry for God. People are tired of religion. People are tired, but they want to see the true life. They want to experience that power of God. You know, it's difficult there. And Jesus, it was difficult for him in this time. But he could stay strong. Why? Because he was prepared for the storm. And he, was, he has been preparing his disciples for the storm. He has preparing us for the storm. He didn't run away. Our leader in the Middle East didn't run away. But in the midst of that, he said, love each other. 
with my love that is powerful. He didn't prepare us for Southern California weather when it's nice and sunny and everything is smooth. If it is like that, praise God, thank God for that. It's a blessing. But he prepared us for the icy wind that slapped in your face that you would want to run away. But that when it happens, we're not surprised. You know, later on in that conversation, in, in, in chapter 16, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. You will have war. You will have difficulties. You will have people against you. But don't be surprised. Take heart. I have overcome this world. So when it happens, when you go through difficult times, don't be surprised because he prepared us for it. But he has overcome this world with him, through him. If we stick with him, we will overcome whatever we're going through. Because where Jesus is, there is peace. Where he is, there is peace. Remember that story when the storm came and the disciples in the boat fearing death in the middle of the lake. What was Jesus doing? He slept in the boat. He was in the middle of the storm sleeping. Can you believe? And they woke him up and they said, Jesus, don't you realize we're in the middle of the storm? And he was like, he was like what's wrong with you? Because where Jesus is, there is peace in the middle of the storm. If we're going through a storm, hold on to Jesus because there is peace. It's not safe with Jesus, though. We will go through storms. But if he is with us, we will experience the same peace. Because he's right there. And that is the gospel. Gospel is not easy life. Gospel is not safety. But gospel is peace. Deep inside, we can experience that peace. One last story. We also have schools in Kenya. In Kenya, you might have heard, especially in the coastal area of Kenya, in the last years, it has become very dangerous. Muslim terrorists coming down from Somalia, attacking people, and especially attacking churches. Many churches, they would throw grenades inside. They would attack people. And our leader in the school that we have in Mombasa, he, he told us, you know, many people left even his church. They went to Nairobi to, to, to a place where it's safe because they were afraid. And then he told me that even he and his wife got dropped in the middle of the night in their sleeping room. All of a sudden they heard something and they switched on the light and seven men were there with guns. They took them everything, everything. Their clothes, their computer, their money, everything they had. And I met them, and he said, this is everything I have left. I didn't know what to say. Then he told me the story of a pastor friend served along with him for many years. And as he was going out into the villages to minister to people, they got him and burned him alive with his Bible in his hand. 
What do we do in such a situation? He wrote me an email. I'd like to read that. Personally, personally, the Lord has healed my soul. I struggled with grief for so long. But the Lord has taught me that his grace is sufficient. We work in a very difficult and risky region. And we're strongly thinking of relocating to another place. But the Lord has given us peace of heart. And together with my wife, we are staying here and enhancing our work among the Muslim, indigenous, and Swahili communities of the coast region of Kenya. Wow. It's easy to run away, to seek safety. But Jesus commanded us to stay and to experience the power of Jesus that is right there in the difficulties and the storms of our lives. And I believe you want to use each one of us in our storms to stand strong and to be a light shining bright in this world. You know, love has a cost. When we look at the, at the conversation again, Peter said, Jesus, why can't I come with you? I'm ready to give, I'm ready to lay down my life for you, Peter said. Jesus said, the opposite will happen. I will lay my life down for you, Peter. Love has a price. Jesus paid that price. And later on, we see Peter, we see a changed Peter if we read through Acts, as he boldly stands there in the middle of Jerusalem and other places and don't run away anymore because now he is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And later on in his life, we see how he was ready and willing to pay a price and eventually lay down his life for his personal faith. So what are we willing, what price are we willing to pay? Love has a price. But if we are connected with that Jesus, we don't hide. We are willing to pay a price because we know he's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He's the one that, to whom all power is given. And he is with me. So although following Jesus is not safe, there is power, there is peace, there is breakthrough, there is revival with him. And as we, as we step now in a time, in a moment of prayer, and of having communion also, I would just like to pray for all of us. And I would like to give an invitation to submit our lives again to Jesus. And to say to him, here I am. Count on me with all my weaknesses, but here I am. Count on me. And I'd like to pray. And for those of you who say, yes, I want to 
I want to submit my life again to Jesus. As a sign, you can please stand up. And then I'd love to pray. So please, you can stand up if you'd like to give your life again to Jesus and tell him, here I am. You can count on me. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your life, for the example that you gave. And I thank you that it was not just you as a human being, but you were so connected with the Father. And if we are connected through him, everything is possible. You didn't run away when tough times came but you were prepared, you were focused. And Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for each one of us, that you love us and that your joy is among us. And that today you look into this room with joy. You see each one standing here, willing to once again give our lives to you. Lord, we want to we want you to count on us. You see everything in our life, our fear, our weakness, our mistakes, our failing. Lord, but once again, here I am, please. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. And we need, we need you. Lord, and I ask that you will fill us once again with your power, with your th strength, and that you would help us to stick close to you, to hold on to you, to remain on that river of living waters. And that when difficulties appear, we can stand strong with that peace in our hearts and we know everything is under control. In Jesus' name, amen.